0: Before I went to seminary, I was a member of a Catholic young adult group that met for discussions in the cathedral in Arlington. This one week in the summer, the priest who normally led the group was going to be away, so we weren't going to have our regular meeting. But I invited everyone to come over to my place for a cookout. There was a young married couple in the group, and they showed up at the party a little early, and so the three of us got to chatting. I knew a little bit about them from interacting with them at the cathedral. They were, at the time, going through RCIA, and so were not yet Catholic. But both had been raised in strongly Christian homes, either Baptist or Evangelical. I forget which. I recognized from the quality of their participation in the group that they were already very well versed in the Catholic faith, and they were both very intelligent and educated persons. And I asked them why they decided to become Catholic. And they told me that it was because of various twists and turns in their education and careers. And so they had lived in a number of places before coming to Arlington. And they said that they were shocked at the divergent theology they received at different churches around the country where they had lived, even those ostensibly aligned under the same Baptist or evangelical organizations. They simply came to the conclusion that something was wrong, when very basic questions of the faith were answered so divergently by different pastors, each claiming to preach the word of God straight from the Bible. And so they set out to search for the real truth by looking at what the various churches and denominations taught. They said they chose to look at the Catholic Church first, not because either of them had any real interest or attraction in the Catholic faith, but simply because they knew it was the oldest and largest part of Christianity. But once they started attending Mass and learning the teachings of the Church, by the grace of God, they were hooked. As they told me this, I was impressed that they had such resolve and determination to know and to follow the truth wherever it led them. As opposed to someone like me who was just born into a Catholic family. To meet a couple like this who were making a deliberate and considered choice to become Catholic was, in a sense, very reassuring to me. But then the husband asked me, So Scott, how long have you been a Catholic? And like most Catholics that were, that would be answered that kind of question or be asked that kind of question, I just kind of stammered and said, uh, well, I don't know. My parents just baptized me when I was a couple of months old. I don't remember. And he looked at me with this kind of rapturous joy and said, wow, that's awesome. What a blessing. It struck me then for the first time what a great gift my baptism was. To think that someone recognized that receiving baptism soon after birth was not just a routine fact of being culturally Catholic, but was, in fact, the most important thing that has or will happen in a person's life. I think as Catholics, we most of us fail to reflect on and to give thanks for our baptismal grace for a couple of reasons. One, like me, most Catholics are baptized as infants long before we are aware of what is happening to us. But two, because we fail to understand the centrality of baptism to our Christian faith. Very often, especially during political season, people are often debating whether such-and-such politician or candidate is a real Christian. And so people argue a real Christian wouldn't have a policy like that, or a real Christian goes to church every week, or a real Christian would invoke Jesus in that speech. Well, some of those questions might be interesting in terms of getting an insight into somebody's mindset. But as a Catholic, if the bare issue is whether somebody is a Christian, the one question, just the one question, that anyone needs to ask is this. Were they validly baptized? That's what the church teaches, even codifies in canon law that baptism is the gateway to the Christian life. The code of canon law tells us through baptism, men and women are freed from sin, are reborn as children of God and configured to Christ by an indelible character and are thus incorporated into the church. And further, by baptism, one is incorporated into the church of Christ and is constituted a person in it with the duties and rights proper to a Christian. It doesn't matter for these purposes whether the baptism took place in a Catholic, Orthodox, or Protestant church. The only question is whether the person was baptized with a threefold infusion of water, with the minister reciting the Trinitarian formula, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The minister doesn't even have to be a priest or a deacon. In an emergency, a person could even be baptized by a non-Christian, so long as that person performing the baptism intended to baptize the baptismal recipient according to the faith of the church. There are only two things that can really invalidate a baptism. One, you cannot use some liquid other than water. You can't use milk or juice or something like that. You occasionally hear about strange Christian groups or renegade priests in the 1970s doing those kinds of odd practices. The other thing is that if the baptism takes place in an ecclesiastical community that does not formally recognize Orthodox Trinitarianism, the equality and co-eternity of the three persons of the Godhead, then such baptism is invalid even if water and the correct verbal formula are used. That's why the church does not accept as valid baptisms those performed by the Mormon church, for example or in Christian science, or some Pentecostal groups. But otherwise, the Church's position is that if you are validly baptized, you are a Christian, regardless of whether you are in tangible communion with the Catholic Church. Thus, generally speaking, a person who is a baptized Protestant or Orthodox is not not baptized upon becoming Catholic. Because the Church teaches, those who are baptized in these other Christian communities are By that baptism already incorporated into Christ, and are thus in a certain communion, albeit imperfect, with the true Church. Thus, to become Catholic, such baptized persons simply need to receive the sacraments of confirmation and Holy Communion to complete their initiation into the Church. Of course, the Church requires such persons receiving these further sacraments to profess a truly Catholic faith but the church nonetheless considers them Christian by virtue of their baptism alone. And this has significant practical implications in the life of the church. For example, in the fact that if a Catholic marries a validly baptized non-Catholic, that marriage is still sacramental, so long as the church is given permission for the mixed marriage. By contrast, a marriage between a Catholic and a non-baptized person is never sacramental, even if performed in a Catholic church. But more importantly, I bring up all of this information to impress upon you the fact that the church takes it as a marker of whether somebody is in the body of Christ, a brother or sister in the faith, from the fact of their baptism, not from the contours of her own jurisdiction or according to church attendance or according to the person's statement of faith. The church is not trying to guard or exact a price for admission into Christian life. Baptism is not restricted to a special class. Anyone can be baptized, and anyone can baptize if they have the right intention. As St. Peter says, In truth, I see that God shows no partiality. Rather, in every nation, whoever fears him and acts uprightly is acceptable to him. A person can certainly sin after baptism, and thus fall from the state of grace. Just because a person has been baptized doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to heaven. But we believe that everything starts with baptism. The most important day of our lives wasn't the day we received our first communion, or confirmation, or the day someone got married, or the day they were ordained a priest, or made their final religious profession in a community. All of those things are wonderful, but they are only possible because of the fact of our baptism. Rather, when we were baptized, we received the greatest gift imaginable, the gift of being incorporated into the ultimate reality, the God who is mysteriously one, but also three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, totally united in love and self-giving. Because of this, we can have the gifts of faith, hope, and love within us. Everything that happens to us after that is simply the outworking of our baptismal calling. Baptism itself is a vocation, the one universal vocation, a call from God echoed in the Old Testament. I, the Lord, have called you for the victory of justice. I have grasped you by the hand. I formed you and set you as a covenant of the people, a light for the nations. Baptism truly sets us apart as followers of Christ. That is why we see, for example, in the Acts of the Apostles, that as the church spread, baptism always accompanied conversion as the first step. A person came to believe, and so they were baptized. It's why even Christ himself, who had no sin, submitted himself to the baptism of his cousin John. Now, it's important to note that John's baptism was not a Trinitarian baptism. It was, in fact, a common practice in Jewish life that a teacher or prophet would ceremonially immerse somebody in water as a sign of repentance for sin. Such baptism could not confer Trinitarian grace, and so could not wash away sin. But in John's followers, it could affect a change of heart that would prepare them to receive Christ. And so in submitting himself to John's baptism, Christ showed us the contours of the eventual sacrament of baptism. We can see all of the signs present, the indwelling of the Son, the descent of the Holy Spirit, and the blessing of the Father. You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. Christ undertook this ritual baptism to signal to us the glories of baptism in the new covenant, to show us the grace of repentance and rebirth to show us the universal brotherhood in Christ that is made possible in the church constituted by baptism, to show us that we too can become sons and daughters of the Most High, simply by water and these precious words. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.